0: Welcome back to another episode of the Nighttime Short Stories podcast with your host, me, Ash Balls. This is a podcast where every Friday night at 9.55 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I read a short story or poetry written by an author from long ago or a modern-day author. The author that is read from here is then showcased for the week on the Facebook page by the same name, so you're going to want to follow it. If you're an author and would like your short stories or poetry showcased on the podcast as well as Facebook page for the week, you can get a hold of us in the link in the bio. And that's where you can also find the link to the Facebook page as well. But thank you to everyone who listens from iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, and anywhere else you might be listening from. I truly do appreciate it. So let's get started, shall we? This week's author, I'm going to be reading some of his his poetry and I've come across him in just the last couple months and absolutely fallen in love with this guy. He's passed away now, but he is full on himself, totally honest and blunt in all his glory is Charles Bukowski and anyone who's ever read him has definitely not been able to go through one of his books without laughing. He is disgusting at times. He is a pig at times. And he is nothing short of fully, honestly, uniquely himself, which is what makes him so great. And the more you read him, the more you love him. So without further ado, let's get started, shall we? The first poem I'm gonna read by Bukowski is Bluebird. There's a bluebird in my heart that wants to get out, but I'm too tough for him. I say, stay in there. I'm not going to let anybody see you. There's a bluebird in my heart that wants to get out, but I pour whiskey on him and inhale cigarette smoke. And the whores and the bartenders and the grocery clerks never know that he's there. There's a bluebird in my heart that wants to get out, but I'm too tough for him. I say, stay down. Do you want to mess me up? You want to screw up the works? You want to blow my book sales in Europe? There's a bluebird in my heart that wants to get out, but I'm too clever. I only let him out at night sometimes when everybody's asleep, I say. I know that you're there, so don't be sad. And then I put him back, but he's singing a little in there i haven't quite let him die and we sleep together like that with our secret pact and it's nice enough to make a man weep but i don't weep do you death wants more death death wants more death and its webs are full I remember my father's garage how childlike i would brush the corpses of flies from the windows they thought were escape their sticky ugly vibrant bodies chatting like dumb crazy dogs against the glass only to spin and flit in that second larger than hell or heaven onto the edge of the ledge and then the spider from his dank hole nervous and exposed the puff of body swelling hanging there not really quite knowing, and then knowing something, sending it down its string, the wet web, towards the weak shield of buzzing, the pulsing, a last desperate, moving hair leg, there, against the glass, there, alive in the sun, spun in white, and almost like love, the closing over, the first hushed spider sucking, filling its sack upon this thing that lived crouching there upon its back, drawing its certain blood as the world goes by outside. And my temples scream and I hurl the broom against them, the spider dull with spider anger, still thinking of its prey and waving an amazed broken leg. The fly, very still, a dirty speck stranded to straw. I shake the killer loose and he walks lame and peeved towards some dark corner, but I intercept his dawdling is crawling like some broken hero and the straws, smashes legs now waving above his head, and looking, looking for the enemy, and somewhat valiant, dying without apparent pain, simply crawling backwards piece by piece, leaving nothing there until at last the red gut sack flashes its secrets, and I run childlike with God's anger a step behind, back to simple sunlight, wondering as the world goes by with curled smile if anyone else saw or sensed my crime alone with everybody the flesh covers the bone and they put a mind in there and sometimes the soul and the women break vases against the walls and the men drink too much and nobody finds the one but keep looking crawling in and out of beds Flesh covers the bone, and the flesh searches for more than flesh. There's no chance at all. We are all trapped by a singular fate. Nobody ever finds the one. The city's dumps fill. The junkyards fill. The madhouses fill. The hospital fills. The graveyards fill. Nothing else fills. A Challenge to the Dark Shot in the eye, shot in the brain, shot in the ass, shot like a flower in the dance. Amazing how death wins hands down. Amazing how much credence is given to idiot forms of life. Amazing how laughter has been drowned out. Amazing how viciousness is such a constant. I must soon declare my own war on their war. I must hold to my last piece of ground. I must protect the small space I have made that has allowed me life. My life, not their death. My death, not their death. About my very tortured friend, Peter. He lives in a house with a swimming pool and says the job is killing him. He's 27. I'm 44 and I can't seem to get rid of him. His novels keep coming back. What do you expect me to do? He screams. "'Go to New York and pump the hands of the publishers?' "'No,' I tell them. "'But quit your job and go into a small room and do the thing.' "'But I need assurance. "'I need something to go by. "'Some word, "'Some sign.' "'Some men did not think that way. "'Van Gogh, Wagner. "'Oh, hell, Van Gogh had a brother who gave him paints whenever he needed them. "'Look,' he said, "'I'm over at this broads house today.' "'And this guy walks in. "'A salesman. "'You know how they talk.' Drove up in his new car, talked about his vacation, said he went to Frisco, saw Fidelio up there, but forgot who wrote it. Now, this guy's 54 years old, so I told him Fidelio is Beethoven's only opera. And then I told him, you're a jerk. What you mean, he asked. I mean, you're a jerk. You're 54 years old and you don't know anything. And what happened then? I walked out. You mean you left him there with her? Yes. I can't quit my job, he said. I always have trouble getting a job. I walk in, they look at me, listen to me talk, and they think right away, aha, he's too intelligent for this job. He won't stay, so there's really no sense in hiring him. Now you walk into the place, and you don't have any trouble. You look like an old wino. You look like a guy who needs a job. And they look at you, and they think, aha, now here's a guy who really needs work. If we hire him, he'll stay a long time and work hard. Do any of these people, he asks, know you are a writer, that you write poetry? No. You ever talk about it? Not even to me. If I hadn't seen you in that magazine, I'd have never known. That's right. Still, I'd like to tell these people that you are a writer. I'd still like to tell them. Why? Well, they talk about you. They think you're just a horse player and a drunk. I am both of those. Well, they talk about you. You have odd ways you travel alone. I'm the only friend you have. Yes. They talk you down. I'd like to defend you. I'd like to tell them you write poetry. Leave it alone. I work here like they do. We're all the same. Well, I'd like to do it for myself then. I want them to know why I travel with you. I speak seven languages. They know me music. Forget it. All right. I'll respect your wishes. But there's something else. What? I've been thinking about getting a piano. And then I've been thinking about getting a violin too, but I can't make up my mind. Buy a piano. You think so? Yes. He walks away thinking about it. I was thinking about it, too. I figure he can always come over with his violin and more sad music. You are listening to the Nighttime Short Stories podcast, where we read a new short story from long ago to modern day authors every Friday night at 9.55 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Be sure to check out the Facebook page under the same name. There's a link in the bio. For daily information, photos, facts, quotes, and bios on the authors showcased for the week. If you know of anyone that you think would enjoy the podcast as well, please be sure to share it out. And again, thank you for listening. A radio with guts. It was on the second floor of Coronado Street. I used to get drunk and throw the radio through the window while it was playing, and of course it would break the glass in the window, and the radio would sit there on the roof still playing. And I'd tell my woman, Ugh, what a marvelous radio. Next morning, I'd take the window off the hinges and carry it down the street to the glass man, who would put in another pane. I kept throwing that radio through the window each time I got drunk, and it would sit there on the roof still playing a magic radio. A radio with guts. And each morning, i take the window back to the glass man. I don't remember how it ended exactly. Though I do remember we finally moved out. There was a woman downstairs who worked in the garden in her bathing suit. She really dug with that trowel. And she put her behind up in the air. I used to sit up in the window and watch the sunshine all over that thing while the music played. Finished? The critics now have me drinking champagne and driving a BMW, and also married to a socialite from Philadelphia's Main Line, which of course is going to prevent me from writing my earthy and grubby stuff. And they might be right. I could be getting to be more like them, and that's as close to death as you can get. We'll see, but don't bury me yet. Don't worry if I drink with Sean Penn. Just measure the poems as they come off the keyboard. Listen only to them. After this long fight, I have no intention of quitting short, or late, or satisfied. Consummation of Grief I even hear the mountains, the way they laugh, up and down their blue sides and down in the water. The fish cry, and the water is their tears. I listen to the water on nights, I drink away, and the sadness becomes so great, I hear it in my clock. It becomes knobs upon my dresser, it becomes paper on the floor. It becomes a shoehorn, a laundry ticket, it becomes cigarette smoke. Climbing a chapel of dark vines, it matters little. Very little love is not so bad, or very little life, what counts, is waiting on walls. I was born for this. I was born to hustle roses down the avenues of the dead. German. Being the German kid in the 20s in Los Angeles was difficult. There was much anti-German feeling then. Carryover from World War One. Gangs of kids chased me through the neighborhood yelling, Heine, Heine, Heine. They never caught me. I was like a cat. I knew all the paths through brush and alleys. I scaled six foot back fences in a flash and was off through backyards and around blocks and onto garage roofs and other hiding places. Then, too, they didn't really want to catch me. They were afraid I might bayonet them or gouge at their eyes. This went on for about 18 months, and then all of a sudden it seemed to stop. I was more or less accepted than never really, which was all right with me. Those sons of bitches were Americans. They and their parents had been born here. They had names like Jones and Sullivan and Baker. They were pale and often fat, with runny noses and big belt buckles. I decided to never become an American. My hero was Baron Manfred von Richthofen, the German Air ace. He shot down 80 of their best, and there was nothing they could do about that now. Their parents didn't like my parents. I didn't either. And I decided when I got big, I'd go live in some place like Iceland, never open my door to anybody, and live on my luck live with a beautiful wife and a bunch of wild animals, which is more or less what happened. You have been listening to the Nighttime Short Stories Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe and come back every Friday night at 9.55 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new Author of the Week. Thank you for listening. Until next time.